When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, let's get going. We got a fun one today. It is a football bye week, so uh, what better time to start digging into Iowa State basketball than right now? Uh, first of all, Stansbury, uh, what's up? How are you? Doing good, man. Just enjoying like, the bye week. You like a bye week? I don't know. I mean, it's nice after five straight weeks of or four straight what? Five straight weeks of games, I guess. I feel naked, but yeah, it's nice to get get caught up on a few things. Um, really excited about this. Uh, Scott Christofferson, uh, our our Cyclone Fanatic intramural team just got a lot better. What's up, brother? <laughs> Welcome to the team. Welcome to the program. How are you, man? Oh, gosh. I, I haven't played in years. I, I, I think you guys would have me on the bench really quick. It's not true. We, have a, <laughs> we actually have a nice inside-out presence with you and Jared. I mean, Jared, wait, what, how tall are you, Jared? Like, I, I know six, you're six, seven. Okay. Well, Todd Blythe would argue that, oh, but I man. am six, seven. Oh, so. Honestly, between you two, Meyer and Blythe, um, I mean, I don't even have to do anything. I just got to go out there and just take up space. We're going to beat just, anybody. You go up and stand in the corner. Like you say, you are electric front. I just shoot. I do my uh, set shot threes, man. I'm like, I'm straight, like old school YMCA. Yeah. Three and D. I'll play I'll play hard defense. You guys can do all the scoring. Uh yeah, Scott Scott's going to be a big part of our team uh hopefully for a really long time here analyzing Iowa State basketball for Cycle and Fanatic and uh first of all Scott, I I know we did a piece on you. I actually looked this up last night. We did a where are they now on you a few years ago. Man, your life's changed a lot. I think you were like yeah. living in Chicago at the time or something like that when when Rob Gray caught up with you, but um tell tell the listeners and the Cyclone fans what what are you up to these days? before we dig in yeah so uh my wife and i bought a house in alaska wisconsin so i we were in the twin cities for four years that's where we met and got married we've actually got twin boys uh due in the next couple of weeks here so uh it'll be my first uh diving in uh we're diving <laughs> diving in zero to two so and your wife your wife has approved this hanging out with us with twins on the way. I just want to make sure here. Yeah, okay. she has. I, uh, <laughs> All right. I somehow I convinced her of it. No, she she was excited for me to get the, the chance to do this. Um, yeah, I've been working at BMO Harris bank for four years and I'm working on getting my master's as well. So, um, that's kind of what's been going on in my life the last uh, couple of years. Awesome. So basically, basically you said, I don't have enough things going on, so I'm going to do a podcast too. <laughs> 
Well, it, it, to be fair, I did, uh, I did put off one semester of school, uh, just to kind of give myself the time to get acclimated to being a, a father. That's and, smart. uh, That's this, smart. this is a little bit, uh, little bit easier to do just as far as the logistics of it all. So, yeah, no, I get it. I got two girls under the age of, um, six and that that's actually really smart what you did right there. And no, I, um, I was really excited. So here's the deal. We've always had a lot of football, former football players are all in the area, right? Like they all, like there's a ton of them in central Iowa and we've been blessed to have Jeff Woody and Brett Meyer and Todd Blythe and some and Ben Bruns and so many great former cyclones. We've never really been able to do with cyclone basketball. Cause it's a lot of guys move away in yep. basketball. It's such a deal where guys transfer, right. And then they're, they're just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And then the other ones that we know are in the NBA. Yep. And when TJ got the job, First of all, and, it, and we're going to talk about this, my relationship with him, but he's always been a really close friend of mine. And I knew the relationship that you two had. And I was like, man, I wonder if Scott's going to get more engaged in all of this now. And I mean, walk us through that because how, like, I'm sure you've followed Iowa State since yep. you left, but like how locked in have you been? And uh, what was your response, I guess, when you found out TJ was getting the gig? Uh, was really excited for TJ. I mean, he was such a big part in me transferring to Iowa State. And I think a lot of the players that I played with and, and some of the really good teams that they had after I left, a lot of those players would would, would echo that as well. I, I mean, TJ's just, he's a great, like you like you said, I mean, you have a relationship with him as well. I, TJ, I think, just excels at relationship building. So Definitely was excited for him to get the chance to, you know, get this job at Iowa State. I think he's going to do a really good job with it. What was the first part of your question? Well, I mean, basically, how locked in have you been? Like, have you you watched games? Have you followed the program much? Yeah, I've been a, I guess I would consider myself a casual fan. You know, when they, a couple of years ago, they obviously had some really good teams for going to the Sweet 16. You know, if they were playing on ESPN or ESPN2 or something like that, you know, you'd tune in and check it out. I think... I have always kind of watched when the, the nationally televised games, when they've been on and then when it gets into tournament time. Um, so I, that's kind of been my, my fandom, but I think this year, obviously with TJ being there, you know, really excited to kind of follow them on a game by game basis and, and kind of cheer him on and, and Iowa state. And it's, it's, it's really nice to be, uh, to get an opportunity to, you know, get reengaged with the program and be a part of, of this with you guys. Uh, one other point I, I think that fans will think school is that you, you work for Lexi Darnoski's dad, who was yeah. your high school coach. Right? I didn't know he was your high school coach. I knew that you worked together, but man, yep. there, and you live in on Alaska, where is Matt Thomas and Lexi Darnoskyville? So there's all sorts of connections here. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I've known Dave for yeah 15 years, and a couple of years ago, he asked me if I'd have any interest in getting into to banking. I had a finance degree at Iowa State, so it made a lot of awesome. sense. I'd been in transportation prior to that, and. Yeah, it is. Uh, it can be a real small world. And obviously, Iowa State's had some real strong ties to the lacrosse on Alaska area for a few years now. I'm excited to analyze basketball with the two of you guys. I, I'm, I love the sport, but I don't have the X's and O's knowledge that you and Jared have. We have our guard. We have our post. And another thing that I think is cool about this dynamic here, and Jared, the, you've been around long enough now where you've seen rebuilds. Like, Earlier, when you're in our business, like the, the way you get better, uh, you just, you need reps, you need, you need perspective to see that stuff. So you were there, Jared, just at the end of, or just when 
Scotty and those guys were kind of turning things around with Fred Hoiberg. Scott, you've been through a, re- a coaching change, you've been through a rebuild, and you've been through a transfer process. So, like, I feel like we've got this whole thing covered here, and I'm really excited about that. But, Jerry, did you, did you have it before we dig into Otzelberger's press conference yesterday? Did you have anything for, for Scott before we get this uh, sweet little introduction out of the way? Uh, I'd just be interested to know on you know, some of your thoughts on maybe the games that you were able to catch just at the end of the last couple of years and how, you know, things had kind of gone and just what you could kind of see maybe from a distance. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously last year was, was disappointing uh, with the, the end result. And, you know, I, last year I don't want to comment watch. on that too much just because, it, you know, what it is what it is, obviously a new coaching change. And um, I'd gotten to know the, the former coach a little bit. You know, I think having been on teams where it's gone south, you know, like, for instance, Max last year, we had a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. Um, and we just it, it can snowball on you really quick. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get into the dog days of the season and last year, you know, kind of throw in COVID. So there's no, there's no Hilton magic. There's no fans there. And I think there's just, there's kind of an energy that can leave the locker room and that can translate into some really poor results on the court. Uh, and I think in talking to TJ and in, in, in getting a feel of where he sees the program is where he took it over and where he wants to go, I think, you know, on a more positive note, I think he's really looking to kind of have uh, that toughness, that energy, uh, bring that back to the program right away and kind of make that one of the bedrocks of the program. And I would agree with that assessment that you, know, you can have a lot of talent, but if you don't have, you know, that toughness, that playing for each other um, and that energy within your program, it, it, it can go south in a real hurry. So I think that'll be a, a big focal point of things, something that I'm paying attention to um, real early on as they, as they get into this year and kind of see, you know, if they're able to, you know, correct that um, from last year. It's how professional we are. My dog's going crazy in the background, <laughs> in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> I tried, I tried to, I tried to lower the expectations as much as possible for Scott, for his, for his first episode with us. All right. Um, listen, Scott, I know you've been able to look at the guys just a little bit. Jared, you've you've scouted all these guys. Let me give you my general view of this roster about a month out of game time. All right, I think that this is a team that is probably going to not be as skilled as – well, not probably. They're not as skilled. This isn't – I mean, if you're going just off of skills and, I mean, what, maybe ninth or 10th in the Big 12 – I think the way they're going to have to win and the way this thing is set up for them to compete is a lot what Scott was just saying, but really hard-nosed, diving for loose balls, just borderline nasty, too. I mean, the stuff I'm hearing about this Robert Jones and stuff like that, it sounds like, you know, I just don't think that Iowa State's built this year to play games in the 90s like, like you were used to playing, Scott. So... I don't know. That that can be difficult, I think, for fans, too, to watch when you have, like, expectations of Iowa State basketball. But I I don't know. Is that a fair – I'll start with you, Jared. Uh, is that a fair expectation for me as to what the – because TJ's been very upfront about, well, what is style of play? Well, that's going to change with my team. So next year's style of play is going to be different when Lipsy and King are in there, right? Um, 
But I, I, when I look at this roster, Jared, that's how they're going to have to beat Big 12 teams. Is that accurate to you? Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's probably the most ideal scenario. It's just it, it comes back to, you know, like I, I, I'm not saying I don't believe that they can't do it or anything like that. I'm just saying it's like it, it's one thing to say those kinds of things, and it's another thing to, like, actually – act on them and make it happen, you know? And like I said, it's not that I don't think TJ can do that or anything like that, or these guys aren't going to buy into that, but it just is, it's one thing to like have that be your mentality and that's how we're going to do it. But then to or to say that, but then to actually like put that into action on the floor and have guys, you know, some of these guys have never been held to a standard to have to defend the level that I think TJ is going to expect them to. Uh, it's, you know, how quickly can you get people to buy into that and then have it translate onto the floor? That's going to be the big thing I think I'm going to be interested in early in the season. I just want to see how cohesive they can be, you know, defensively, because I think that for the last several years, that was one of my biggest pet peeves was just, it never felt like there was a cohesive defensive structure that would allow them to be able to play that kind of basketball at a high level. And, you know, you think about like, like Texas Tech was never beating people they weren't putting up 90 on people. No. Obviously they got to be a lot more talented towards the end of Chris Beard's tenure in Lubbock. But uh, when he first got there, what they hung their hat on was, was being tough, being physical and playing really, really good defense. And they were so good at it that it looked like their guys were playing on a string, you know, where people were always, you know, every movement was really calculated and you've just not seen that from Iowa state recently. So it's like, how quickly can that kind of come around to where you get guys that, you know, play that way. And I, I think they've got some guys that are smart defenders who have played at a high level defensively at other places. And it's like, how quickly can they all come together as a cohesive unit? Yeah, Scott, it, it, from what I've heard too, and I, I know you were just there. I mean, it kind of, doesn't it start with Kelsher and Brockington, the two big 10 transfers? I mean, as far as the, what Jared is discussing there and setting that tone, it sounds like they've been really good as far as that goes. Yeah, no, and I, I would agree that I think those two guys are going to have to lead the way for them, uh, I, I think, on, on both ends of the court. They've got the experience. I think they're two of their most talented players. Um, and I agree with Jared's point about, you know, it's one thing to talk about it. And I would also add on to that, you know, when you watch them practice, I mean, they get after each other, right? I mean, you can tell TJ's, you know, his three big things are, you know, doesn't want to turn the ball over. They want to put a lot of pressure on the ball and they want to win the rebounding battle. So kind of, they want to excel at the guts of the game. And I think they're going to have to, because I think to Jared's point, and I think to your point, you know, this isn't a team with, you know, Monte Morris at the point who can get anywhere on the court and at a seven to one turnover ratio he wants. And with, you know, two of the greatest shooters in the school's history, Matt Thomas and Naz Long, and then a, a stretch four like uh, uh, George was, you know, who can just create all sorts of matchup problems. I think they can have success scoring the basketball. I think they're going to have to find creative ways to get the ball in the paint and play inside out basketball. I think that'll help them get to the free throw line. I think it'll help them crash the boards a little bit better on the offensive end, create some extra possessions, those sorts of things. But their margin for error won't be quite the same degree as maybe some of the more successful teams in the past offensively. And I think the big challenge for this team will be is how well can they impose their will on the game? You know, the, the, the rebounding, the ball pressure, 
Because um, to Jared's point, it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to do it in practice against one another. It's another thing when you're playing an unfamiliar opponent and they're you know trying to impose their will on you. And I think to what six, what extent will they have success and win games this year? I think how well they do that will probably answer a lot of that. Go ahead. Let me put it. Yeah, let me go put ahead, it this, Put it to you this way: like playing that style of basketball is a lot similar to, or is very similar to, you know, Matt Campbell's complimentary football, mm-hmm. and it it becomes where you yeah. know possessions are at a premium. That's where you know Scott mentions like you can't have turnovers. You've got to be able to take care of the basketball. Like you, when possessions are going to be at a premium, you're going to play slow. Like how? What kind of complimentary basketball are you going to play in that sense? If you really want to get down and dirty and play defense, like you can't be running up and down the floor on offense and trying to play with pace where you're going to shoot the ball in seven seconds, you know? Yeah. And then like, you also just have to have so many other pieces of that. Who are going to be your guys who are going to be junkyard dogs on the boards? Who's going to be your rim protector? Who are going to be your guys who are going to get really up into people uh, with on ball pressure? And, you know, I think they've got the pieces to do those kinds of things. It's like I said, it's just how quickly can those things come together to where you know you can be successful with it right away and not have it have some like pretty major you know growing pains let me ask you this scott what did you uh what do you think of the freshman point guard hunter because we've discussed the i think i really don't have any worry about kalsher and brockington i I think you can win with those guys in the big 12 i think that they are everything we've described uh you and jerry talk about everybody else buying into it now you got a freshman You've been in the AAU circuit. Like, you kind of – coaches always say you got to work the AAU out of them a little bit, right? Like, I, But it, he doesn't sound too much like that, but how how does a freshman buy into this when you're used to go out there and, you know, being the MVP at the Allen Iverson camp, and now you're being right. asked to, you know, he's small. He's not this big dude. How, how do you see him fitting in early this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always a little bit more complicated with point guards just because, you know – it, he certainly has a ton of talent. You don't have to watch him play for very long. I mean, his movement skills and ability to break down people are off the charts. But as a point guard, you know, you're kind of charged with being the coach on the floor, directing traffic, all those sorts of things. And I think even when you think back to like Monte Morris, uh, Deontay Garrett, you know, early on in their careers, they didn't just roll the ball out for them from, you know, day one and say, hey, you're going to play 35 minutes a game and go run the team. I think there's a process and I think it's, it's just different for every player. Some guys, there are some unique players like Dominic James. I played with him at Iowa State. He had a, a super alpha personality, very confident, ton of swagger, kind of came in as a freshman and ran the show from day one. I think for uh, 99 out of 100 point guards entering college basketball, there's a, a feeling out process, getting used to college practices, physicality, the speed of the game. I think by the end of the year, he's going to be a guy that this team can look to to break guys down and get those coveted paint touches, whether they're finishes at the rim for him or uh, easy kickouts for other guys where they can play inside out basketball. To start, though, I mean, I think we're going to have to wait and see. I think TJ understands that and will try to, I don't want to say ease him along, but I think you want to put him in spots where he can be successful and help build his confidence. Mm-hmm. There'll be some, you know, bumps in the road, some games where you turn it over a little bit more than you'd like that sort of a thing. That's growing pains, but I think TJ will have a good feel of letting him play through that and also coaching him up and, and helping him learn from those mistakes. But there's no question when you watch him move up and down a basketball court, I, I think he's got a ton of ability and, and, and a chance to be a, a really special guard for Iowa state. 
Stansbury, the let's talk Big Ben with you for a minute. Our guy George Condit, we're both big fans of him, rooting for him to have a big year. Uh, he looked great uh, for Team Puerto Rico over the summer. He looked like kind of the old George again. Um, and then I'll throw in there, I mean, I, I've heard nothing but really good things about this Robert Jones. Uh, we'll get Scotty's opinion on that. But he, listen, he's not going to be a double-double guy. But I, I think that he, from what it sounds like, he's a guy who will rim run. He'll get up in you. And he'll probably lead the team in rebounding, from what I understand, if he's playing enough minutes. Um, and then you've got Jazz Kunch from uh, Washington State, who I, I think, Jared, you have to clarify me, but he, he's a little bit dinged up right now from, mm-hmm. I think that's what TJ said yesterday. And and I'll be honest with the audience, it sounds like Foster's not even in the mix right now. He's he's out. Um, so I don't, I don't anticipate seeing him to start the season at this point, which is discouraging. But... Where are you at on the front court with your confidence in those guys, Jared? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it starts with George. And, you know, I talked to George a couple of weeks ago. I was walking into the into Jack Trice and ran into him. And, you know, it's just good to see a smile on that kid's face. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of smiling going around. I mean, obviously, things were going poorly on the floor, which made nobody very happy to begin with. But I think you could just tell with him that there was a lot going on for him, you know, between the ears a little bit and then just behind the scenes, there's just a lot happening. He didn't seem very happy. And I thought it was really good to, you know, see him and just see him smiling. He told me how good things were going and how much better, you know, the environment is. And, um, cause he's a really good kid and you know how much he cares and how much he cares about Iowa state basketball, obviously with his dad being a former cyclone, like he has a, feels a lot of responsibility to, you know, kind of be that one who helps the program get back to where it's expected to be. And, um, you know, I think we all know that when George is playing well, uh, he can be an elite pick and roll, uh, you know, finisher. He can be a really energetic player on defense where he can protect the rim and, and get to the glass. But it's how do you maintain that energy level and how do you keep that, you know, from having dips where, you know, there's been times in his career where he'll you'll see a four minute stretch where he'll be really, really good, but then you'll see a four minute stretch where he's really, really bad. And it's how do you get that consistency where he can maintain that level of play? That's going to be the biggest thing I think I'll be watching from him. I, but I just think physically he's going to be in a much better position to be able to do that this year than he probably was at this time a year ago. Um, with Robert Jones, like I think that they're very similar players in that sense that just are you know, they're similar builds. Uh, they're guys that want to, that can get after it and protect the rim and, and get after it on the glass. It's just how quickly can you pick it up? How quickly can you adjust to the, you know, going from playing at Denver, which is to playing in the big 12, which is a big jump, you know, at the end of the day and how quickly can you make that adjustment? And then with jazz, you know, how quickly can he get healthy? How long can he stay healthy? And, you know, can he stretch the floor a little bit? Because I think he adds that dynamic that, you know, George, and Robert don't have, they can't, they're not guys that you want to stand out at the perimeter and shoot the ball. You know, if Jazz can bring in and be kind of that change-up guy that can, you know, be a stretch four, stretch five type uh, type of guy, then I think you've got three different guys that you can throw out there that can just give different looks, create different kinds of matchups, and can give people some problems. But, um, you know, I don't think any of them is going to be someone you're going to throw the ball on the block to and let them be Shaquille O'Neal, you know. But what can they do to 
take advantage when, you know, when defenses do start to draw their attention towards Tyrese Hunter or start to draw attention towards uh, Gabe Kalsher or Isaiah Brockington, whoever it is, how can they take advantage of those types of situations um, and then be able to, you know, like I said, maintain the energy level that you need on the defensive end? What do you think about yeah, that, Scotty? Cool. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it, bud. I was just going to say, I think you make a wonderful point about, you know, that you've got a couple of different guys, different skill sets. And I think TJ will do a really good job of, of just, you know, being straightforward and an honest communicator with all three. And I think rotating them in and out, keeping them fresh, giving the opposing defenses different looks with different skill sets. I think that'll actually help all three of them uh, as the season progresses uh, play at a high level Uh, keep them out of foul trouble, uh, keep their bodies fresh, that sort of a thing. I I want to go ahead to what he said. I I think that that's an important point to make about having a lot more uh, openness about what people's roles, what they, and what the coaching staff expects to see from them. That is something that you and I have both heard Chris previously, that I think that there was that there were times when guys were told things and they were maybe allowed to think something was going to happen for them that created a role that in their own mind that they were going to play a role that maybe was not realistic. And then it would create frustration because they were being told one thing, but what there was actually happening for them in the games was not what was happening. I don't think that's going to be an issue anymore for this program where guys like they're going to show up. There's going to be very set expectations. They're going to be told, this is what we're going to expect you to do. This is what we need from you. And there won't be a ton of deviation from that unless someone can really, you know, work their ass off and, and make a big jump in an off season or something like that. And, you know, I think George is a perfect example where, you know, there's, you hear different things about what he was told during the recruiting process and stuff like that, that did not pan out was probably not overly realistic to start with, but now it's like, okay, TJ comes in. This is what we need from you. We're not going to tell you to do anything besides that. And if you can come out and do those things that we need you to do, then you're going to play a ton of minutes and you're going to have a lot of success. And I think that that's going to be something that as we, you know, as this goes along, you're going to start to see those kinds of things and you'll start to see people have more success because they're going to be put into positions where they're in a position to succeed and not being set up to fail in a sense. I'll say this, uh, Scott, and you'll have good insight on this because you've known him for about as long as I have, probably a little longer. Uh, I am a little bit surprised as disciplinarian, I guess, as TJ seems as a head coach. I, you know, because I, when he got to Iowa State, I mean, we were both so young and he was kind of the assistant coach that everybody's, that that was his role. Mac mm-hmm. will tear you down and TJ will pick you up and Rudder will pick you up, right? Like that, that was my sense of it. Um, I don't want to say it's like military-istic, it, but like, I don't, yeah, for just piggybacking off of what Jared said, I mean, I, I've seen a few practices and I, I mean, I've been to his, his games and practices at South Dakota State and UNLV. It, I don't think expectations are going to be a problem as far as communicating that. Like it, yeah. I, I, I was just the, the first t- practice of TJ's as I, that I saw uh, was when he was at South Dakota State. And I, I, I mean, they had to redo this one drill like 15 times because the guys weren't cutting hard enough. And it was just like, oh man, that's really, that's really kind of a pain in the ass. Like where, what happened to the old TJ, but, but right. You, you see where I'm, how have you since his um, maturation, I guess, as a head coach over the years compared to the guy you were recruited by? Yeah, I, I think TJ's always had that now as a head coach, it's, it is a different role, a different set of responsibilities. But when I, 
I think one of the things when I say TJ is a good relationship builder, that that's not to say he comes and tells you you're great all the time. I mean, yeah. even when I was there and he was the assistant in my red shirt year, I mean, he'd call me, talk to me after practice and it, I didn't always like what he was saying to me, mm-hmm. but I think in time you realize he's trying to help you, you know? And I, I think coaches that get relationships, I, you know, it's when you tell somebody what they want to hear, I think you're trying to help yourself. When you tra- tell somebody the truth, I think in time, even if they don't like it, they come to respect that about you. And I think TJ really excels at that with players. Like there would be times where, you know, I would ask him for feedback and he would just, I mean, he would cut right to it. I didn't always like it, but in time I was like, you know, you're not wrong. And I do, I could pick it up here. I could do more of this. I could be better here. And I think that, you know, when you get recruited, a lot of it is telling you what you want to hear. And uh, to Jared's point, you come in with an expectation. I'm going to average, you know, 18 and 10 and (laughs) two years from now, I'm going to be in the NBA. I mean, pretty much everybody's thinking that in some form or fashion when they show up to college. And I I think it sets a lot of kids up for uh, one, a a grim reality that that's not the case. You know, the team can't average 212 points a game. Um, Like, you know, a lot of recruiting would tell you it could. And then, uh, you know, and so then they come in, they feel misled. And so when they, then they respond to that brutal honesty with, well, now I feel like you lied to me. You know, you told me when I came here, this was how it's going to be. And, and most people, even outside of basketball, if you feel like your boss is lying to you, doesn't mean you're just going to leave and quit your job. But there's certainly a, a level of distrust there that moves forward where I think TJ just cuts through that, talks about, hey, here's where I think you can go, but here's where you're at. And if you want to get there, you're going to have to show up and go hard every day in the passing drill, in the cutting drill. And I'm going to hold you to that because I think I can get that out of you. I think that's really, when you talk about relationships, what sets TJ apart from, you know, other coaches as, as a relationship builder, it's more of a long-term approach, but I, I think it really works for him. I think that the best coaches are the ones that can be the guys that can walk a line between being a salesman and being a realist as yep. well. And then when you can walk that line, it allows you to, to eventually build that relationship where you can have accountability, you know, and where you, and it's accountability both ways too. Like it's not just coach to player or player to coach, but it's like when a coach comes to you and says, Hey, you're not doing these things that we've been telling you that you need to do. And that we're telling you that if you want to be the best player you can be, you have to do them. And you don't get like the player then doesn't sit there and like throw a fit about it. Or they're not like, man, like, man, the coach hates me because I'm not doing this. He's not letting me do what I want to do. It's like, no, like we set like very clear expectations for what we want from you. We sold you on those things and told you, this is what we're going to do to help you get to where you want to go, but you have to do them. You know, there's none of that. Like um, if you don't do them, well, we're just going to move on. It is what it is. Like, it doesn't really matter. We'll just go and recruit a different guy to take your place. Like, no, it's like, it's a, it's the accountability to do it you know, hold yourself to a standard. And then, you know, the coaches are going to hold you to that standard as well. And like, that's what I like from what I've you know heard and what I've seen so far is it's like, there's going to be accountability to do the things that you are supposed to do and not just like what you want to do, I think is the biggest thing that I've, I've sensed so far. And Chris, I think to your point too, I think TJ also does a really nice job of, okay, practice is over, film's over, whatever. And then he's cracking jokes with the guys in the locker room yeah. or, you know, he's a regular person. He kind of breaks down to that on that human level with those guys. 
And again, I think that just feeds into the rapport and them knowing they're getting the, the honest TJ. And I, I think that's part of what makes it work for him. Uh, you know, as a head coach, you probably have to take on more of that, uh, having some of those tough conversations on a regular basis with everybody, uh, which I'm, he's kind of transitioned to more now. But I think that's always been there for him. And it's, it's probably something that he's always worked at evolving to as he's grown throughout his coaching career. Last thing I got here, because we got plenty, of, we got three, four weeks to keep breaking down this team. But uh, I, I, you're kind of like the OG as far as transfer you goes, Scott. I think you were the first one. Uh, <laughs> I really do. I think you were the we we did a whole podcast series on it uh, a few years ago, and I I think that yeah, I called you the OG in it. But um, I, I guess this is the one thing um that I do like about this group, and TJ kind of referenced this yesterday in his um, press conference, but there's so many transfers where it's not a lot like uh, even for the new guys, like your George, like everything's new for everybody. Now Uh, I, when you're a transfer though, like, is there a, well, this is my last chance buckle down, you know, really grind it out type of feel because I, it seemed like when they recruited Brockington and Kalsher specifically, and even Jazz to a, to an extent, it was get really good culture guys, and that's totally overused, but that's the truth with these guys from what I understand, who aren't going to bitch, who are going to do exactly what we say and be really great leaders in this program for a couple years to come to set the tone with these young guys. I have noticed not all transfers are built the same. I mean, there's a lot of aspect too where – you know, um, they're now transfers so different when, than when you did it. Now there's so many of them. So it's, it's, it's a little bit out there, but like, it seems to me like these guys specifically Jones jazz and the two big 10 guys where it's just like, this is probably their last stop. I mean, they're all going to try and get into the NBA, no doubt, but it's time to just shut up and they want to win. Uh, is, is the vibe I get here. Yeah, no. I, and to your uh, point on uh, transfers, I think when you have a lot of new guys coming in, uh, I, I think TJ probably seeked out certain things and, and things that he was looking in transfers. And I know culture does get overused in sports, but I, I think there is a lot of truth to it too. I mean, you've got to have the culture of your team, right? If it's not, even if you have multiple guys that played in the NBA, like we did when I was a red shirt sophomore, we had multiple players that went on to play in the NBA, but we had some things in that locker room that were not right. I mean, all those guys I think were decent guys and, and good guys, but we just, we couldn't get on the same page. We couldn't make it work. We weren't all rowing in the same direction all the mm-hmm. time. Even with all that talent in the big 12, just, there's, there's two, there's too small of a margin for error. You got to have the culture, right? So I'm sure that TJ was seeking that out when he was looking to bring guys in. And when you're coming off a year where you only win two games, odds are it's probably not just a talent issue. There's probably some culture things in there that weren't right. So I, I do think that it does get overused some, but I think it's very important. Uh, and my perspective on that at that time, you know, Tom Crean was the guy that recruited me to Marquette. He left. Um, I, I just think with what Buzz had in mind for where he wanted to take the program and what I was looking to get out of the college experience were two different things. So I transferred wanting a fresh start. I I didn't really think about it as being like my last option, but I think that's because you're 18 or 19 years old and you don't necessarily think everything through so thoroughly looking back on it. Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're transferring. It's, I think it's probably on you to make it work one way or another, because 
I mean, if you're trying to transfer a third time or a second time, you're, you probably get a reputation as a guy, you know, maybe it's not the coach or the program. That's the issue. Maybe it's, maybe it's you. So I think there is probably some of that, but I don't know as a, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old, if I was thinking about it that way and without talking to the guys that he brought in, I don't know if they think about it that way either. Did you, did you know Kyle Green from your Marquette recruitment? Yeah, he, he, I was a freshman in high school and they started recruiting me and he was there that year. So he was there well before I ever got there, but I did meet him a couple of times um, when I went to watch games. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know if there was a crossover there or not. Uh, Jared, parting thoughts from you uh, is camp is just kind of getting underway. Um, the Xavier Foster news was the big news from Tuesday's press conference. We'll just have to wait and see what happens there. I'm not overly optimistic on how this thing will play out. What about what about you? Did anything else pop for you yesterday? No, not really. Um, I think the thing that I you know right now I just I like about this team is I think you've got a lot of guys on the roster who feel like they have something to prove. You know, uh, a Gabe Kalsher and Isaiah Brockington. Obviously, they've done it at the at the Power Five level before. They were never stars or anything like that. But you know, I think they've there's an element of like, you want to prove that you can be a guy who's a winning type of player that can be on a winning team and be a, you know, a key piece of a winning team. Obviously George Condit, like he's a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder after the way the last few years have went. Uh, You want to prove that you are the guy that everybody thought you were, Uh, you know, Robert Jones wants to prove that he can play at a level like this. I think when you get a lot of different guys like that, it can create, you know, an element of the entire team having a chip on their shoulder. And that's where, when you go back to being the, you know, junkyard dogs on defense, like what you were talking about before, like you need some of that, you know, you need some guys that are, that don't have the stars. They don't have the hype. Like nobody on that transferred into Iowa state's going to show up on a top 25 transfers list or anything like that. Like these are guys that are just like, I'm out to prove that I belong at that level you know, like I think the perfect example of this is going back a couple of years, like when Mariel Shayok transferred to Iowa State, no one sat there and is like, man, this is a transfer that's going to be a game changer in the Big 12. You know, he was just a guy that you look at, it's like, well, he wants to play in a different type of system. He feels like he's a better offensive player than what Virginia has given him an opportunity to show. But at the same time, we don't really know because we've never seen it. Who knows what kind of work you'll put in in that one year. And then, well, I guess we'll find out. The, the dude worked his ass off. And then he became one of the best scorers in the Big 12 and was an, a first-team All-Big 12 player. Now he's, you know, bouncing around at the professional ranks, borderline NBA player. Like, that's I, – I really like that, and I think that this team is going to have some success because you've got guys who feel like they've got something to prove and feel like they've got something that, um, you know, they maybe couldn't get at their previous stop that, you know, they've got an opportunity to show everybody what they can do. Good stuff. Well, um, Scott, go and, like, give your wife a foot massage or something. <laughs> we want so, we want to make sure that she's happy so you can join us the rest of the year all right brother absolutely <laughs> scott you're going to be uh, doing some tv and radio as well right uh, i know that you're going to be with me uh in new york city for the uh you'll be my color guy for the radio network and yep. you'll be doing some of the early season tv games with bloom is that accurate yeah i think there's eight of them and awesome. uh all, you know, just kind of embracing the, the new experience of all of this. Never got a chance to do it. So, you know, really excited to we're, we're gonna you know, get, be, such a, be such a part of it with you guys. Because it'll be a lot of fun. We're, we're all going to get a lot smarter and um, appreciate you um, taking your time and hanging out with us. So, all right. Uh, I'm Jared, glad you can boost the average height of the ESPN Plus broadcast team, <laughs> at, if nothing else. 
Yeah. Well, if you ever need a place to stay, too, Bloom lives five five houses down from me. So just come on over if you ever need. Uh, you can just hang out in the basement. But um, okay. no, nonetheless, thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Stans, thanks for your help, man. Appreciate you. Uh, we're going to do a lot. We'll have a lot of fun with hoops this year. Looking forward to it.